0: Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings Morning. on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: Welcome back, everybody. 9.03 the time, hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings. The Thursday, February 1st, 2024 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fund come together. Their floor model sale continues. Special financing available at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Weather-wise, as you get ready to head on out of your home, your abode, get ready for your day, Looks like a pretty nice day. Right now, 40 degrees starting to warm up as it will get up to about 62 today. Intervals of clouds and sunshine. Tonight, a few clouds, a low of 43. And then for your Friday, sunshine and clouds mix with a high up to 66 degrees. Hour number one was primarily uh, you guys and us getting things off our chest after the Tigers' debacle last night, losing to Rice 74-71. We want to jump back into that now Get back to some of the texts we weren't able to read, any new text, 360-8255. Open lines at 360 as well. If you didn't get a chance to call in, you want to talk to us, you could do that. Jump on the phone lines right now. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website, sportsmemphis.com. Then got some uh, NCAA news, got some news out of Ole Miss as well to get to. And then Joe DeLeon will join us at 9.30 to talk about tonight's shrine game to talk about the Senior Bowl on Saturday and the prospects now positioning themselves, getting ready for the Combine and then on to the NFL draft.
2: The Tigers, by the way, now uh, 330th in the nation um, in offensive rebound percentage given up. Wow. Teams rebound. Basically, teams get one out of every three misses against the Tigers, which is 330th in the nation. Uh, on the Sports 86 listener line, again, 901 360 8255. Texture says, uh, Well, guys, you had me believing in the David Jones thing, but now I'm back to being convinced that his style of play has created an internal problem and Penny's style of coaching hasn't balanced it out. Uh, another one here says, Penny hyped the AAC by belittling them at the beginning of the season. Uh, saying the out-of-conference schedule is their challenge, or whatever he said. The rest of the AAC had a beat Penny meeting. Everybody said that about that conference.
1: Nobody at the and it beginning of be the, the case.
2: Begin, it, nobody at it, the beginning it, of the
1: year was going, "Wow, this is going to be tough." This conference, when it's they, not. <laughs> I know, but nobody was saying that. I mean, you're, you're blaming Penny for undervaluing the American Conference. I mean, come on.
2: Uh, another Texas is, how do you think the big money NIL donors feel about their investments now? Not good, I guess. Probably not. Uh, another one. This team doesn't have the heart. The play that shows it was your. Um, I don't know, that makes sense. Talking about Dandridge on the fast break, wants to reverse slam, misses, and Penny just claps and smiles. There wasn't nothing to smile about. He did take him out of the game, though. Yeah, that was more
1: of um it wasn't a smile-I'm-happy smile. That was a – sometimes you smile when you, you don't have anything else to say. You kind of throw up your arms and you sm- your hands and you just smile. It's, it's, it's very – he was very, very disappointed with what – he talked about making the easier plays and – don't do anything that's uh, you're showboating. And here you go with Malco, who again has played out of his mind. Let's be honest here, especially the last ten games or so, goes in and tries a reverse dunk and misses the slam. I mean, come on, that was that was a microcosm of this whole bad run of late in one play, right there. Yeah, I
2: think the smile was more like, "Are you kidding me?" Right, type. that's like, what it was. What, yeah. what else? Could it wasn't unhappy. Yeah, this. Um, Uh, This this may be my favorite text. First they were underrated. Then they were overrated. Now they're just berated. Wow. (laughs) The pendulum has swung Wiley for the Tigers.
1: Let me go back to the Sports 56 Lester lines. Again, we have open lines at 360-8255. Fields is next. How are you, man?
3: Good, good. Good morning. How are you guys?
1: Doing okay. Thank you.
3: I just had a uh, quick question. I was unable to watch the game last night. I've been able to piece uh, together a little bit this morning. Uh, I know that they shot forty nine percent, I believe, from the field against us. Mm-hmm. But my question is for those that got to watch it: How did they hold us to under eighty points? I mean, even as bad as we've been, as bad as we've been playing, we've been putting up points, which right. is to be a, a a welcome change from some of our previous teams. What the heck happened last night where we couldn't even score eighty on a rice team?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. Fields, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Uh, Twenty-two points in the first half.
2: Yeah, that, for Memphis. that's
1: tremendous. Twenty-two.
2: That's the first half was a they, they made eight field goals in the first half. So what uh, they did eight of twenty-three, zero of eight from three, and in turned the, first the ball half. over. So they, um, what did that's they ten.
1: They had ten turnovers. I think it was ten at the half. They ended up with fifteen. They were better protecting the ball in the second half. I think they had 10 turnovers in the first half. They were throwing up bricks from the outside. I forget what the number was at halftime. Do you have that in front of you? 0 for, eight, just, 0 for 8. 0 for 8 from 3. Turnovers. That's how you total 22 points. And and the But point, it is a great
2: question because, again, I said earlier. Yes, it was. Everybody just, that plays Rice scores 80. Basically, they, like they, they, they just line them up. Everybody scores 80 against Rice. Rice is one of the worst defensive teams whether they're number two came in well this is after last night which helped them I don't know what they were going last night but even after last night 234th in the nation in defensive efficiency
1: yeah they're not a big team Feeler, the big guy is not quick he's got slow feet but he's a very well um, very intelligent player The way he was able to set screens, those pick and rolls, the backdoor cuts. He was finding guys on great bounce passes. Fundamentally sound, but not the quickest. So he's a little bit out of position defensively. The Dawes kid who came in, the freshman, actually showed a lot of athleticism. But there's no question that going into this game, with Memphis scoring nearly 90 points per game in conference play, number one in the league. Nobody expected an offensive deficiency. The problem had been on the defensive side. So here they are in the first half, as Fields asked, how how did they struggle like they did for the entire game? 22 points in the first half. So now you're well behind the eight ball. They come out to start the second half, and they make it a point to go inside. And at that point, the momentum had swung. And Para, their coach, calls a timeout to try to stop that momentum because here come the fans who were sitting on their hands for the most part of the game, and understandably so, started to get into it. But they were able to use that timeout to slow things down and to get their composure and come back. And then they started to make some shots. And then Memphis goes on the run to take the three-point lead. And you thought at that point, well, it's over now, Memphis will put their foot down, pedal, you know, pedal on the metal, or whatever it's called, and boom, they start making contested shots, the three-point step back by Evie. And then they get to the free throw line, and they make their free throws. That's how they won the game. But they, as far as the offensive deficiency, it was a combination of settling for threes, missing threes, they didn't hit a three until the second half, and they only went three of 15, and turnovers. Just, again, these unforced turnovers that they make, bad passes, stepping out of bounds, trying to drive through three guys and dribbling off their their knees. It's something that has been a problem for most of the season. Not so much early, but certainly of late.
2: Uh, Randy says the only thing that could make this season worse would be for Taylor Swift to show up at every game. <laughs> That'd make it much better. I'd love to have Taylor Swift at every game. Boy, i hate to see if she was... Dating a basketball player, like every time he gets a point or assist, she has to hug people. That a, is, that's a lot of work. What's a shame is um, that we talked about the,
1: the hype video for the game, and, and they do an excellent job over at the University of Memphis, and they had William Bedford, one of the greats of all time, narrating it. And William Bedford was at the game. I know for years there was kind of a disassociation with, with him and some of the veteran players with certain coaches or maybe the university, whatever it was, there was a disconnect. He was there. It was great to have him there. There were probably a bunch of former Mississippi, Mississippi, former Memphis State players, alumni that were there. And it was Memphis State night, as everybody knows. And to have that team perform like that, I, I, again, there's a lot of pride with players that have played at this university. And I'm not saying that these players don't have pride. But some of these players that are zipping in and zipping out for one year, I think it's probably water off their back when it's all said and done. They're trying to win. They're trying to get to the tournament. But they're also trying to put up numbers. And they're trying to be the heroes. And instead of making the easy pass, they're taking the the shot when they're double teamed or triple teamed. And that has been an ongoing problem for the Tigers here over the last uh, five, six, seven games.
2: Uh, David says, insert any rebuttal, excuse, whatever. Everything falls back on Penny because he is the CEO of the program. It does fall back on the coach. Uh, another text says, Tomlin has played well, but there's a visible rift between him and Quinterly, Jones, and Malco. They just don't mesh. Not saying that's all on him, but that is when this chemistry problem started.
1: And Penny has alluded to that. Without saying names, he's talked about necessarily, not necessarily um, – having the best chemistry out on the floor when he has maybe the best players. And so last night, he did some experimenting. He played 10 guys in the first 10 minutes. He changed around his starting lineup. He tried different combinations. Some worked better than others. But overall, it's very tough for players to get into the flow of the game when they play a couple of minutes and a different guy comes in and then you're on the bench, and that's hard. I, I, I mean, I, I've never played the game at this level, but I can't imagine it's good for the flow when you're out there and then you get, you, you get yanked. We talked about Jonathan Pierre gets his first start in a Tiger uniform. He's out there for three minutes. He's on the bench. No way you even get started. You get a sweat going before
2: you're yanked out of the game. Uh, another texter, Arkansas fan. Uh, says, I believe there's a player or three that does a cancer in the locker room. Devo Davis left our team and Brazil hasn't played in the last few games. And we've played with much better energy. I suspect that's the issue with Memphis. Hope they get it sorted out because basketball is more fun with them being good. I always root for them when not playing Arkansas. Looking back, that game earlier in the year was a high-level game. Now both teams have imploded.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, all it takes is a player or two to disrupt things. But Javon Quinterly, again, last night after the game, saying that there isn't a locker room issue, that we are fine. We are, we are really good. We like each other. We got chemistry. But on the court, we don't have the chemistry. But he did not blame the coaches. He took the blame himself as a spokesperson for the team. It was on us. It was on the players, not on Penny. I think it's a combination. Uh, we've had texters talk about the players. We've had texters talk about the coaching staff. Everybody's to blame in this situation when you go from 10th ranked in the country two weeks ago to losing four straight, including a loss, a quad four loss to a net team at number
2: 248 in Rice. Uh, another Texas says, Penny has clearly lost control of the team. There's no lack of talent or depth, but you can't throw 10 transfers together, add water and stir and magically have a top 10 team. By the way, Taylor Swift wouldn't be caught dead with a loser.
1: (laughs) But you know what? He did do that, and they were a top 10 team. He did bring in all these dudes, stir, and they did become a top 10 team. But they lost it, and nobody can figure out how exactly they lost it. I know Wolo was asking that question, I think, on his show yesterday. We kind of know when it happened, and as you talked about earlier – I think more coincidentally than anything, but maybe chemistry-wise, the Naquan Tomlin acquisition, that's really when it started to happen. Also, of course, the Caleb Mills injury, but they started to fade a little bit before he went down with the season-ending injury. It's those combinations. I, I just don't know. Sometimes you could see what they have to do. Even layman can figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. We talked about defense, right? There's no question in my mind they got to strictly go man-to-man, no-help defense. You're on your own guy. If you can't handle your guy, you're out of the game. And then don't be afraid to throw in some zone defense. If teams are burying threes like they have done readily against Memphis, you got to throw more zone in. Offensively, again, has not been a problem until last night, when that reared its ugly head.
2: Uh, Wayne says, that if, if this is the state of college sports now with NIL, then this is what you get when players play for a paycheck with no pride in the name on the front of the jersey. Um, <laughs> somebody else says, I think someone should check and see if any of these players are placing bets against Memphis. Oh. I've never seen so many turnovers thrown to nobody. It's pretty obvious. Whew. Uh. Yeah, the again, the one pass. The one pass last night that uh, sailed like four rows deep in the crowd was like that was funny. I, I thought that, it that one, out of his that hand. That one literally made me L O L. Like with that ball, I was like, what in God's name are you throwing that to? Manute bowl wouldn't have caught that thing. would have caught Manute
1: that. Manute bowl sitting in the first row of the crowd wouldn't have caught that thing. <laughs> Victor womenyama on the shoulders of Manute Bowl wouldn't have caught that thing. Uh, but as far as the as far as the roster is concerned, that's not changing. They have one player signed for next year. He'll have a few players that come back, including his son. I think Jaden may have another year of eligibility. I'm not sure, but Ashton will come back. You wonder about Sharon Font and about um, Pierre. I think Young still has availability, eligibility, I should say. But the rest of those dudes are gone. They're one and doneers. The bulk of that team is gone. So this is what is going to happen again as Penny in the summer will find these players that are transfer players. And you're right. Whoever texted about, it's not easy to put together a roster of transfers and have that chemistry. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's a challenge every single year to make sure everybody's on the same page. And at times during the season, as we've learned, sometimes you can be on the same page and all of a sudden you're not. And whether or not that's the Tomlin... The Tomlin acquisition, the whole Jordan Brown fiasco, I think still a lot of it has to do with the Caleb Mills injury. He was a leader out there as well as a really good defensive player. But these are all excuses. You can't have excuses for losing 20-point leads to South Florida, for losing at home to the freaking Rice Owls. Not Florida
2: Atlantic, but Rice. The um, dance stop stop playing 10-plus guys. Shorten the damn rotation. I, I would agree with that. Good luck with that. Um, but we know that's that's not going to happen. Something a little more positive. I mentioned earlier that Mark Gasol officially announced his retirement yesterday. And uh, the Grizzlies have announced that they will be retiring Mark's number 33. That will be on April 6th, um, when they host the Philadelphia 76ers. That they will be doing Mark's Jersey retirement ceremony. So... April 6th will be the date uh, for Mark's jersey retirement uh, here in Memphis. As the number 33 will join Zach Randolph's number 50 up in the rafters down at FedEx Forum.
1: Congratulations. Well-deserved. Big Spain. What's still a crime, in my opinion, is that Pau Gasol, his older brother, is not already up in the rafters. Who would have ever thunk it back in the day when this... Chubby kid from Lausanne turned into a sculpted body and terrific player for the Spanish national team and onto the NBA and the trade that was ridiculed. People got pissed at the trade that they made with the Lakers. And Marcus Gasol turned into a three-time All-Star. But who would have ever thought that his number would be retired before Powell's number would be retired? Of course, Tony Allen, that one's on hold. But eventually I think that will happen. Mike Conley, the conductor, of the core four, eventually when he retires, uh, he'll have his number or or jersey retired. So great to to have that announced after he officially announced his retirement yesterday. Marcus saw what you say, April fourth against the Sixers. April sixth. April sixth. Can't wait. Uh,
2: another texter says Chris Beard has his transfers and current players working well together. Yeah, but and I'll go back. I I will maintain. Everybody's going to do the transfer portal. Like, you, you, if you're going to, you have to. Like, you, in this day and age, you pretty much have to be getting guys out of the transfer portal because you're going to lose guys into the transfer portal. But I think it is important to have some guys who have been in your program for a few years. Matthew Morrell. And, and important guys, like leaders, guys who are the best players on the team, guys who are out there on the court. They've got it. They've got those guys. They've got Morrell, who's been there for years now. They've got Break uh, Breakfield, who's now been there for years. Right. You know, they've got these guys who are can be their leaders. So you mix that in. Again, you can look around the country. All of the top teams have some transfers. But most of the top teams... Have guys who have been in there. You know, Dalton Connect has come in; he's been great. Tennessee also has a lot of guys who have been there for a long time. In the Zakai Ziegler's, in Josiah Jordan, James, in these Vescovy. in Vescovy, all these guys. You so yes, you got to go find the the combination, the, the right mixture. But having leaders who have been in, who are invested in your program and been there with that head coach, I think is very, very important. Just bringing in a whole new group of guys every single year—they're going to be there for one year. I just don't know. That's a a tough recipe. That is a great point. And think about who the Tigers got back from last year.
1: Two players. Jaden Hardaway, who's a utility player, the son of Penny, and is really not a a guy that communicates a lot. He's not on the court. You don't hear him a lot. He's very quiet, right? More introverted. And Malcolm Dandridge, who we weren't even sure was going to come back, who has had, let's be honest, an up-and-down career, at times disgruntled not really your quintessential leader, but a vocal guy, I would imagine, in the locker room who has played out of his mind. I give him a lot of credit. But that's all you had coming back. All the rest of these dudes were new. But that's why it was so important to go out of the DR, which they did. Do you remember they played the Dominican Republic national team? David Jones was playing for the DR team. Yet, they started the season in incredible fashion, winning the way they did. They had the bad game against Villanova, but for the most part, they dominated. And they had the letdown at Ole Miss where they had the lead, they blew the lead, but then came back and played so well in winning against Clemson and beating Virginia, beating the brakes off Virginia. Everything was going well. So it's not like this team has been off kilter from the beginning and there was no chemistry with the players. They were playing incredibly well and executing at a high level at one point But something happened, and I don't know if we'll ever find out what happened to change everything. All right, a couple of things I wanted to get to, and then we'll take our next time out. And then on the other side, Joe DeLeon will join us. Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins' lawsuit against Coach Lane Kiffin, and the university was dismissed yesterday officially by Judge Michael P. Willis in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Mississippi. According to court documents, that's reported by Chris Lowe from ESPN, Rollins had filed a lawsuit against Kiffin and Ole Miss in September for failure to provide equal protection, racial and sexual discrimination, and multiple other allegations. He said he was kicked off the team for missing practices and meetings during a mental health crisis. Yesterday, the big story was the NCAA's announcement of the Tennessee under fire for all kinds of stuff with NIL and the rebuttal from Tennessee and their um, plowman, their chancellor, who came out guns a blazing. Governor Lee came out with a statement. The attorney general sued the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't usually, in social aspects, Have any type of retort? They don't say anything? Well, they did come out yesterday, and uh, they had some interesting things to say. If I could find this for you real quick before we go to the break. Uh, Here's what they had to say. While the NCAA generally does not comment on specific infraction cases, it's important to remember that NCAA member schools and conferences not only make the rules, but routinely call for greater enforcement of those rules and holding violators accountable. In recent years, this has been especially true as it relates to establishing and enforcing a consistent set of national rules intended to manage the name, image, and likeness environment. This legal action would exacerbate what our members themselves have frequently described as a Wild West atmosphere, further tilting competitive imbalance among schools in neighboring states, and diminishing protections for student-athletes from potential exploitation. So, in other words... You guys made the rules, is what the NCAA said. We're just enforcing
2: those rules. Valentine's Day is coming, and Genesis Diamonds is ready with an unbelievable deal for you over at Genesis Diamonds right now. Through Valentine's Day, you go over there and you buy any piece of jewelry for Valentine's Day, and you are going to get a great gift package thrown in for absolutely free. You buy the jewelry, they're going to throw in the chocolates, the flowers, and a gift card for dinner at Restaurant Iris. That's right. You buy jewelry over at Genesis Diamonds, they're going to throw in flowers, chocolates, and a gift card for dinner. All on them. You can't beat that deal. You talk about making that someone special, very happy this Valentine's Day. How about getting it all? Getting the jewelry, getting the flowers, getting the chocolates, and a nice dinner as well. And it can be anything, whether you spend $199 or $199,000, it doesn't matter. They're going to give you all of that for free. On top of that deal. It's an unbelievable deal. They got a great selection, of course, when it comes to jewelry engagement rings, anything you need. They've got the jewelry taken care of. They got great prices, taking out the middleman with direct importer pricing. They've got no commission salespeople that are there to help you, not pressure you into buying something more expensive. Genesis Diamonds, Poplar, and Perkins Extended.
1: Joe DeLeon is next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning! On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 9.32
1: is the time get away from this uh, depressing Tigers talk. Let's talk some college football slash NFL We had the Hula Bowl that was played recently, played in Orlando, Florida. Of course it was. Blake Watson from the University of Memphis had a big game, and he's back in action tonight in the Shrine Bowl. We've got the Senior Bowl on Saturday. The Combine is approaching, and the NFL draft before too long will be upon us. The guy who covers... College football and the NFL draft. He's a terrific analyst on the Believe Network. We've had him on before. It's a pleasure to be joined once again by Joe DeLeon, who you can follow on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. He joins us now on Sports Fifty Six Mornings. Joe, thanks for getting up early with us. We appreciate it.
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, any uh, <laughs> any chance to talk ball, I'm always down. So appreciate you uh, you having me on. Busy
1: time, I guess, for
3: for analysts like
1: yourself breaking down these players and their chances. At the next level with these uh, special all-star games, uh, I mentioned to you when I texted earlier in the week. I wanted to ask you about Blake Watson, who played in the Hula Bowl, played well, gets the invite to the Shrine Bowl. I was reading uh, the other day where he's performed very well in practice. He'll get another opportunity in a game tonight. I didn't think Blake. I thought Blake Watson was very good for Memphis. I wasn't so sure that he was going to be drafted. Now I'm thinking that there is a good chance he does get drafted. What do you think about his chances?
3: Yeah, with the, uh, the all-star circuit, the way that it is right now, there used to be this, this line of progression originally where the Shrine game was before the Senior Bowl and top performers at the Shrine game very often got moved up to the Senior Bowl. But now because there's this overlap, it's a little bit different. And so a lot of times these smaller, lower-level bowls, and there's much more than now, as you mentioned, with the Hula Bowl, those guys that do well at either of those, events, uh, those smaller events, any opportunity to play up usually is a pretty nice indicator that the NFL is excited about a certain player, and they just want to see more. So Watson's case, who was productive this past year uh, at Memphis, had a really nice season, does a really good job at the Hula Bowl, and then moves his way up to the Shrine game. Like you said, he's done a really strong job at practices. This year's running back class, it, it's not a really great one. It's not a very exciting one deep. Uh, we're seeing that at the Senior Bowl, that outside of a couple of guys, there's a ton of question marks, and I think that Watson is in a position, if he finishes the week strong today, plays well in the game, and continues to ride the momentum throughout this process, could find himself being drafted somewhere on day three because of that general lack of depth in the uh, the running back class. How How
2: important are these? these games, especially the practices, this, this setting, you know, versus actual game film versus combine individual workouts, all that stuff. How important are these, you think in the evaluation of these guys?
3: At the end of the day, the most important thing is always going to be the game film, but the biggest takeaway from these events is always guys that you weren't prepared to watch, or maybe guys that you weren't really prepared to be better than you thought that they were. And like a really good example This week uh, at the Senior Bowl, like um, you know, we've got all these really, really nice players that are that are doing some great stuff. Like Eric Watts from UConn, I think the best example that I can think of, the edge rusher uh, from UConn, not exactly a big name coming from a super big school. So the national media we're not super used to a guy like that, but because he's doing well in practices, it then incites us to go back and rewatch those guys. The NFL is going to have spent that time watching these players already. It just gives them that extra opportunity to say, maybe we should go back and watch another game on this player, make a final determination. The other part with the practices, too, is that the ability to network and communicate with the NFL personnel and to just establish relationships with various teams, a lot of times these coaches will make decisions based on how they think guys are uh, handling themselves, if they're paying attention, if they're absorbing information quickly, if they're attentive, if they're coachable. All of those things are really important for this process, uh, and can help a lot of guys move up.
1: The top projected quarterbacks are not playing in these games. Caleb Mil- Caleb Williams, excuse me, Drake May. Uh, you have uh, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy. They're not playing, but Bo Nix is. He's playing in the Senior Bowl. You have some interesting names that I want to talk to you about in a second here that are trying to to see their stock rise. But Bo Nix is a guy who you've seen in a lot of projections, first round, some the fourth quarterback, some the fifth quarterback, some later, some earlier. So why is Bo Nix playing in this game? Is it just to improve on that, st- on that uh, stock and to, to maybe move up and, and
3: leapfrog a, a quarterback or two? Yeah, I think that the quarterbacks are in a really unique position because they're not really going to show up to the practices and play at such a high level that's going to get them drafted in the top ten. And if anything, on-field performance is probably the most difficult for, um, for quarterbacks because they're not used to the timing and, and having an established uh, relationship with the receivers to really know uh, when to deliver the ball. But the thing with a quarterback is that they can really, really show to these coaches, I know how to command a huddle. I know how to rally a group of guys that I've never been around before to you know, be on task, to have a really strong day, to finish the team drills strong. All of those intangibles, I think, show up in these practices. And, I mean, we, we've seen guys get drafted pretty highly because they've shown up and, and really proven to teams that they are the guy to lead a franchise. There's so many things that go into it so for Bo Nix's case as you talked about with those top three guys the season kind of tapered off a little bit for Bo Nix and we kind of saw in the the Pac-12 championship game really quickly that maybe he's he's not as uh as clean of a prospect as we think he was because he was a little bit exposed that when that short passing game's not available he's not super consistent trying to drive the ball down the field and he's not the most reactive decision-maker when those initial reads aren't opening up. So this week is really an opportunity to affirm that he is the fourth guy, that he belongs in the first round for a team that's looking for a high-floor, older prospect, and if he finishes the week strong, he could end up in that position. I will admit, though, I I feel like Bo Nix has been a little quiet this week. I have not really noticed a ton from him that has made me super excited to think any differently of him, Uh, but again, I'm not in those those meetings that he's had with
2: these NFL teams. One of the guys, I've seen a few people talking very positively about the week that Spencer Rattler is having. Obviously a guy who came in with very high expectations that didn't work at Oklahoma, had his moments certainly at South Carolina. What does Spencer Rattler need to show um, folks, and how does his game translate to the NFL?
3: I think the big thing with Spencer Rattler is composure. I think throughout his entire career, He's been a really up-and-down player mentally, and we see that all the time. And this past year was tough for South Carolina. We, we kind of thought and hoped that South Carolina was going to be building off of a strong uh, 2020 season, and th- that didn't really happen. They, they had a really rough year, and, and Rattler's performance was up and down, but he had some really nice games, and he showed us why he was formerly the top recruit in his class. If he can really prove that composure on this final day, and I think that's what we've seen so far. Uh, in Mobile and the practices, that he's been composed, that he's been a little bit more consistent. Uh, he's been far less volatile. He hasn't been really forcing uh, any really bad throws like we've seen him do in the past. But the composure thing is probably the biggest for a guy like Spencer Rattler.
1: And, Joe, a few more quarterbacks. What are the prospects for Tennessee's Joe Milton and Michael Pratt from Tulane?
3: Uh, Michael Pratt I'm a very big fan of. Really like Michael Pratt. I think that he is. The example of a guy who team needs a really good starting quarterback or backup quarterback rather, uh, maybe with some developmental starting upside, uh, he is that type of a guy. He is not going to ever be if he becomes a starter a top ten NFL quarterback, but he's the type of player that if your starter goes down, eventually he can fill in and do it at a really high level. Kind of reminds me of you know what Jimmy Garoppolo did early on in his career at the Patriots. You could get mm-hmm. that out of a Michael Pratt where. They didn't necessarily need to put push him out there, and, and he was kind of drafted as a, a little bit of an heir apparent. And when they did need him and they called upon him, he was he was tremendous. And then eventually we saw what happened where he got his opportunity with the 49ers. Joe Milton, on the other hand, um, man, I, I really just don't see it. Uh, <laughs> Joe Milton is a tremendously gifted athlete. He is massive. He is going to test with ridiculous numbers at the NFL Combine. He's got a really big arm. But the big thing that's just been so tough with Joe Milton is his lack of touch, his lack of timing when delivering the ball to receivers. I mean, heck, there was a clip that circulated on Tuesday talking about Joe Milton and saying, like, oh, look how strong his arm is. And in the clip, he proceeded to overthrow a stationary <laughs> target. Stuff like that is is pretty concerning with him. And I mean, I almost wonder if it gets to a point where a guy like Joe Milton does try to make that transition, uh, to tight end, and a guy like Logan Thomas was really successful mm-hmm. with the Washington yep. Commanders, and that might make sense for uh, a really athletic quarterback that just doesn't have the uh, you know the touch to be an NFL starter.
2: Yeah, we we saw that every time he he could overthrow guys with the with the best of them. That's for sure. <laughs> Michael Penix had the great semifinal, was unbelievable. Then the, the the championship game, it didn't wasn't nearly as good. So what are they what's How does he prove that he's more the guy that was in the semifinal game than the championship game?
3: Yeah, I think he's actually done a really good job of that. The championship game, and I like to keep bringing this up because the general public, like you're talking about here, freaked out over the the semifinal game and was like, this guy has to be a top-five pick. And then the general public immediately turned on him because they didn't really understand how good Michigan was and I'd like to just kind of reiterate to everybody that every quarterback that had to face off with Michigan played horrendously because <laughs> they are just such a good defense, and they brought down the level of every team's quarterback play. So I'm not really, you know, like I'm not super worried about the national championship. It's just the, you know, the gauntlet of having to face that team. And I think that we're, we've been reminded pretty early. I actually think that Michael Pennock outside of Michael Pratt, is, quietly had the best week of the quarterbacks. I think that there's been a number of throws that he's delivered and reminded us and said, wow, he, he can push the ball really with nice pace to the sideline uh, and make some really pretty throws. What's going to always hurt him is his ability to throw over the middle of the field. Um, and also the injury stuff is going to be really tricky, which is going to come up at the, the NFL Combine when he does those rechecks. But uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michael Penix and I think that he's definitely got a lot to uh, to gain as this process continues.
1: Yeah, I'm with you 100%. All right, before we let you go, another maybe name or two that have stood out to you in practices at the Senior ball.
3: Yeah, the, the big one for me has been, or the big two along the offensive line uh, have been Christian Haynes and, and Jackson Powers-Johnson. Haynes, the interior offensive lineman from UConn, Jackson Powers-Johnson, the uh, center from Oregon. Both have just been really stout playing with really good bases uh in these one on one drills, just showing that they've got really good lower body strength, which is just a prerequisite for early uh good play in the NFL. They can maintain that base and, and not get overwhelmed too easily. One guy who, who really burst onto the scene is is Gabe Hall, the defensive lineman from, from Baylor, who unexpectedly had a little bit of a down year in twenty twenty three but was a riser over the past couple of seasons, showed up immediately on day one and started beating up on everybody. was violent, was aggressive, was twitchy, tall, long defensive tackle. And he's somebody who uh, I definitely need to go back and take another look at. Darius Robinson from Mizzou really reminded us that he's a technically sound, well-coached football player that I think is uh, going to move up a bit on day two uh, during this, uh, this draft process. And then one more to throw out there, Lad McConkey, the wide receiver from Georgia. Yeah. The one on one reps typically are advantageous for quick, shifty receivers. So I try not to get too excited about uh, guys like that that do well during these one on ones. But his feet are so quick. He was in and out of his cuts easily. He made a number of really nice grabs that are uh, just really difficult to make that I, I think that Lad McConkey has proven he belongs being drafted somewhere on day two. <laughs>
1: Joe, remind everybody where they can uh, see and hear you.
3: Oh uh, Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter, at Joe DeLeon, and then you can check out my show, The First Team Pod, and also uh, Rufino and Joe, anywhere you uh, get your podcast or on YouTube.
1: Hey, Joe, great stuff. Thank you so much. And again, we appreciate you getting up early for us. We'd uh, love to do it again. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Joe. So he says DeLeon, spelled DeLeon. Uh, Joe is really good at what he does. You know who else is good at what they do? That's Dinstal's, And we're going to have our annual shows, our remote, at Dinstal's next Wednesday, the 7th of February. All our shows, all day long. Love is in the Air with Valentine's Day just two weeks away. Dinstal's is just the right thing to win the heart of your special Valentine from beautiful heart-shaped boxes filled with fresh handmade chocolates to truffles, the turtlettes, cashew crunch. It's also the launch for Dinstel's famous chocolate-covered strawberries. Yes, strawberry season. Fresh ripe berries dipped in their special fondant, then enrobed in rich milk chocolate. Man, I am starting to... uh, Lick my lips here as I start thinking about those chocolate-covered strawberries. Place your order today, or you can drop by any of the five stores. Just check them out. Do it online. Give them a call. Laura Wood, Germantown, Cogerville, Pleasant View, or Downtown. We will be at the Pleasant View location, as we've done for many years now. Again, next Wednesday, starting bright and early with us at 7 a.m. dinstals has been saying... I love you for over 122 years. We're coming back with our final segment in just a moment. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to real sports talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 mornings. Morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again... Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: So we thought that all the college football head coaching vacancies had been filled, but now there's a new one as Boston College head coach Jeff Hafley is leaving BC to become the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator. So now BC will be in the market for a new head coach. Also, it's official Mike McDonald is now the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, replacing Pete Carroll. I was wrong about that one. I for sure thought Dan Quinn was going to be their guy, come back to Seattle. But imagine how Dan Quinn will re-up with the Dallas Cowboys as their D.C. McDonald to the Seahawks. That means only Washington has a vacancy remaining as far as head coach.
2: Yeah, Seahawks go from the oldest head coach to the youngest. How old is he, McDonald? 36. Wow. Basically half uh, of—actually, Pete Carroll, I think he was 72. I think he's half of Pete Carroll's age. Somebody pointed out yesterday, so there's now a
1: Mike McCarthy, a Mike McDonald, and a um, Mike—what's his name for McDaniel. McDaniel. (laughs) (laughs) McDaniel, McDonald, McCarthy. There you go, in the National Football League. The Titans, according to reports, are hiring a new defensive coordinator— And uh, it is going to be um, Denard Wilson. Denard Wilson, who was the defensive backs coach with the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are being rated as far as their defensive coaches are concerned. But the Titans, again, according to reports, will hire Denard Wilson as their new defensive coordinator, part of Brian Callahan's staff, the new head coach of the Titans.
2: Memphis. The original Memphis beer is back. Goldcrest 51 will be available starting on Monday. Hitting the shelves, hitting the bars, draft uh, package, whatever. Goldcrest, Goldcrest 51, which was first brewed in 1936 by John Wolfgang Shore, Hasn't been brewed for a long time, but it's being brewed again by Soul and & Spirits. And they're going to be getting it out and hitting the stores coming up on Monday. In case you missed it, the Tigers, after their loss last night, they fall to 76 in the net. They fell to seventy in Ken Palm. but um, well, they got into the twenties in the net? Did they ever get inside of twenty? No, in the I net? don't. I don't think so. I can't remember what their. I think it was twenty-one. Maybe was their high water mark as far as the net is concerned. But uh, now down to seventy-six, one spot ahead of North Texas, just where we all assumed they would be. One spot ahead of North Texas in the uh, in the net. And luckily, North Texas lost last night, or they would be ahead of Memphis today. In the net. Also, the Grizzlies announcing that Mark Gasol's jersey number thirty three will be retired on April the sixth. April the sixth against Philadelphia will be that retirement ceremony for Mark Gasol after he announced his retirement yesterday. The Grizzlies announcing they'll be retiring his number thirty three coming up on April the sixth.
1: And you can watch the Shrine Bowl tonight and watch Blake Watson from the University of Memphis perform. Could also watch
2: the Pro Bowl games. No, but We'll be watching. So what's tonight? Horseshoes? Uh, Tic-tac-toe? Most of the stuff, other than, I think, like, I, th- I don't know what, uh, there might be a couple of things they save till Sunday with the flag football, but I think most of it's all tonight.
1: Why Thursday night and then wait until Sunday? To, I guess so the dudes and their families can have fun in Vegas. Is it in Vegas?
2: No, this is in... Orlando? Orlando. Well,
1: they get a fun in Orlando, right?
2: Go to the um, parks,
1: have fun. They, that's probably why they spaced I would, it out. I, w- right? I would
2: guess it's because this is when TV wanted them programming. <laughs> this is when ESPN wanted this on Thursday night. That makes sense, but it's also it gives
1: them more than just hey, here's a here's Thursday night, and then we'll turn around and we'll play the stupid game on Friday, and then. Uh, time to go home. Instead, give them three, four days with the families to go enjoy the amusement parks and, and have a good old time. Next week, of course, we'll be talking plenty about the big game. We'll have special guests as well leading up to Super Bowl 58. When you watch the Super Bowl at home or maybe you're going to go to a friend's house, you're going to have a little Super Bowl party, a big game party, let's just say, the big game. Well, how about have Corky's cater that big game experience with their delicious barbecue? Corky's have been a Memphis staple for 40 years, just about 40 years, and they have been catering during that entire uh, duration of four decades. So again, for their catering services, just contact them, find out what it's all about. They can set you up for as low as 6 dollars make that $8.99 per person, start you out as low as $8.99 per person for that delicious, slow-smoked barbecue. Now, For Lunch, for dinner, it's always a good time. For Corky's, head on over there. When you get an entree, you can get a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99. That's added. If you order an entree, whether it be the pulled pork or maybe the award-winning catfish plates, the tamales, the hamburgers, it's all out of this world, plus great desserts. Uh, party Pack starting at just 7 49 located at Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue,
2: open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. How crazy would it have been, by the way, last night, if the heave at the end of the game had gone in, which it came pretty dark close. I know it did. <laughs> okay. It did. And then they win the game at overtime, like that would have been nuts. He drew rim,
1: but it did not go. And Quinterly had that uh, those heroic moments earlier in the season, but all for naught last night. Dave Olochen's coming up next with Wolo and friends on Sports 56. I'm sure he'll have some interesting things to say about the Tigers' fourth consecutive loss. I want to thank Kerry Miller, Brevin Knight, and Joe DeLeon for joining us on the program today. Tomorrow, Eli Fly solo, John Varless in studio, Matt Dillon, the Tiger basketball report, Brandon Lang, The colorful handicapper extraordinaire. And Sean Merriman will revisit with us, the former NFL star. And now, of course, he is in the fight game, MMA, and uh, lights out fights. And he will talk about his next upcoming event. We want to thank you for all those calls, all those texts. Maybe one time we'll do it where everybody's happy and excited. It just wasn't the case today. For Eli and Zach, I'm Greg. Have a great day, everybody.